I just have uh, <clears throat> some things I want to share with you today. This is not, we're, we'll be starting a new series in the beginning of October, but I just felt uh, the necessity just to give kind of like a, a one teaching here. And this is kind of more, in a sense, more prophetic in nature. Um, Lord's been reminding me of some things that He spoke over the years, and uh, I want to share them with you, and then we'll go into what I believe the Lord has shown me about the church right now. And the title of the message, if you take notes, is called Resetting the Church. Resetting the Church. doesn't necessarily mean going back to the beginning. It just means push and reset. We've got to, there's some things that are just off right now that God wants to have in line because He wants to fill those rooms that Natasha was talking about. Because when He fills those rooms, then we as the church can do what we're called to do in the earth. Can you say amen? So I just want to start by sharing a couple things. So in 2018, we were in pre-service prayer. That's when we had pre-service prayer in the back, and now we have it out here. This is a little plug for pre-service prayer if you want to come. We have it every Sunday morning at 920. You can come in. We pray for about 20, 25 minutes and just seeking the Lord and just you know helping to work with the Holy Spirit to create an atmosphere. But in those times, see, when you come into God's presence, when you come to seek Him, that's when God speaks. Not that he can't speak any other way, he does. But when you come in, see, when I, when I make it, uh, 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 and I take the initiative to come to be with him, I'm saying to him, my ears are open, I want to hear you, I need to hear you, and, and God speaks. And in that time, in 2018, I can't remember what time of 2018 it was, I just kind of going back through notes and stuff, we were back there praying, and some of you, if you, if you remember this, you can raise your hand just to kind of let me know, but... We were back there praying, and all of a sudden, I saw in the Spirit, and I don't necessarily think it was a vision, but this kind of image that you see, this picture, and God can give us images. I saw this image of, we were in this building, and I saw this huge circular, like, shaft of light coming down from heaven, and it covered, like, the, the size, the whole size of our building was covered in this light. And at first, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, what is this? You know, is this, is this just coming down from heaven? And it was kind of like the Lord was instilling in my spirit at the same time. It was, you know, his presence coming down, but also our worship going up at the same time, this huge shaft of light. And then all of a sudden, as I'm looking at that and, and kind of meditating on that, I saw little, little shafts of light just shoot out all over the place. Just boom, boom. And I know this represents things that God wants to do here in spirit life, but this is also the church at large that God wants to do. And I saw all these shafts kind of arcing like, a, you know, just an arc from, boom, going out and touching. And when an arc would go, it'd go to a different city. When it hit that city, a ring of light would just go, boom. And just seeing it happen all over the place. And the Lord has increased, you know, speaking to us personally. Uh, he told us back when we were in the other building that he's, he had given us an uh, uh, influence over a 30-mile radius. And over the years, that was back in like 2013, over the years, the last that he spoke it to me, and he confirms this each time, you know, through different leadership and everything, that he's, he's given us influence over a 100-plus-mile radius. And I just see those shafts. God's bringing me back to those shafts that are just shooting out and just influence and happening in God's kingdom. These are things that God wants to do. Not just through a church, but through the church. We are the church. Not just spirit life church, you understand. And then, uh, I don't know if it was the exact same time as that, I don't think it was, but at the same time in 2018, I saw um, like 
you know, when representation of the Holy Spirit in, in Bible, there's many different things that can represent the Holy Spirit, but some of the major ones that represent the Holy Spirit is fire, it's oil, it's water. And I saw fire, oil, and water just merging together, just like coming together. And I know water and oil ain't supposed to mix, but I don't, I don't know. God, God's mixing it somehow. And I just sensed in my spirit, whenever I, whenever I saw that coming together, I heard the word convergence, that there's a convergence happening. And I felt like the Lord was impressing in my spirit that there's anointings and things that have been released in the earth that have been separate anointings, you know, going of the Lord, just kind of little outpours. But God was going to begin to mix some of these things together for this time. A, a greater potency, a greater anointing to do the work of the ministry and advance God's kingdom in the earth. So those are some things that the Lord's been reminding me of, and I've been praying through those things. You can pray with me. We don't have all the details of everything, but we pray those things out. He shows them to us for a reason, and He reminds us of them for a reason. I think that there's just showing the potential and what God really wants to do through His body, through His church. And about the uh, uh, beginning of, of summer this year, beginning of summer, we were back here doing corporate prayer. Here's a plug-in for corporate prayer. If you want to come and join out, if you're available on Wednesday afternoons from 12 to 1, come and be a part. These are great ways, too, if you, maybe you say, hey, I'd like to grow in my, in my, in my prayer time. I'd like to grow, you know, being able to pray with other people. Hey, this is a great place to, to grow. You can come to pre-service prayer or corporate prayer and pray together with us. But during that time... I saw, um, I saw a church on a hill, and it was an old-looking, dilapidated church, and I saw the Lord take, like, scaffolding, and you ever see that, like, you know, that, that uh, what is it called, like a scaffolding wrap or whatever? We see it here in, in, in Minnesota, more so, like, in the wintertime, whatever, they're doing construction, and it gets cold, so they put scaffolding up, and then they wrap it in kind of a plastic that light goes in, but you can't necessarily see what's going on. And the Lord showed me that, and I've been praying over that for quite some time, and in this last several weeks, He keeps bringing it back to my spirit. And what He said when He showed me that was, is that He's doing something in His church. He's covering His church over, and He's doing a work within His church. And the world is wondering what is going on. And even the church is wondering what is going on, because it's hidden from the church and from the world all that God is doing. But God is going to reveal it. And I felt like the Lord say when, he, when he, he's doing this work behind this, this scaffolding and behind this, you know, this wrap that's there, he's working on his church. And when he, when he releases that or takes that scaffolding off and, and takes that plastic off, that wrap off of it, it's going to be a bright and brilliant church again. And I felt the Lord said this, that he's going to bring back the attraction of the church to the world because the world is not attracted to the church anymore. And he's going to bring back the influence that the church has lost over seasons of time. And that's what I want to speak to just for briefly this morning about those two things, about the attraction uh, to the church and the influence from the church. There's been, there's been so many people that are part of the church that have been wounded by the church, and they're outside. I mean, they're, they're still connected to Christ. Some of them are just really just hanging on. They've been wounded by the ones that should have been there to help them and encourage them and strengthen them along the way. And then at the same time, there's things that the church has done, and maybe we've been a part of that individually. I don't know where we've done things and said things that just wasn't in God's nature. 
that have caused hurt or brought, uh, you know, uh, someone to look at Christ in a different way than what He truly is as awesome and holy and magnificent. Can you say amen? amen? So, I just feel like in this season, it's like, it's like God is almost like unplugging for a second, because there's certain things. God's still speaking in the earth. We know that. I mean, He's still speaking. But what He wants to do is for the whole church to be on the same page. Doesn't mean we have to do the exact same thing, but we're on the same page of what He's doing. And a little, in, in a sense, there's a little bit of a cleaning of house going on. Amen? So, you know, with technology and everything that goes on now, I mean, you know, one of the simplest ways to reset something when it's not working right, you know, I, we have a smart TV and sometimes it's just not so smart. Sometimes you turn it on and it's glitching and, and the easiest way to get that thing to stop glitching is just to unplug it, wait 10 seconds, plug it back in again. They say, I mean, that should be the, the first thing when something's not working, just turn it off and turn it back on again. And I feel like we're in that season right now where it almost feels, and we know that God never stops working, but it almost feels like He's stopped for a moment. Because we are at a place, we're at a precipice where we know that something awesome is about to happen. And God will reveal that to us. And there's some work that He's doing behind the scenes that we can't even see. Has anybody felt a work in your own personal life that you don't just exactly know exactly what it is, but you know God is moving and something is turning and changing and churning? kind of scraping the edges, so to say, because he wants everything in there. I want to read a couple scriptures first to kind of set us up for what I want to share. But the first one is in uh, Psalms 11.3, or my, my, yeah, Psalms 11.3, and it says this, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? One translation says it this way, and it's talking about those foundations. If the foundations of law and justice are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, we know there are certain things we can do. We can pray. We got to pray. We got to cry out to God. And ultimately, when it comes to foundational work, that's God's business. But we have to be able to handle His foundation correctly. And I feel like in some way that God has built His foundation, the church, and we've made like additions to His foundation, and we're standing on things that we have built instead of things that He has built. And God is, He's just scaffolding around it, <laughs> wrapping it in so He can get things back and reset it where it needs to be because the world needs what we have. But we need to understand what we have so that we can give it. You'll never give what you don't know that you have or not. We've got to know what we have. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, another question, how can it be made salty again? If we become tasteless, if we're the salt of the earth to bring the flavor of heaven to those who don't know God, to help them to carry the fragrance and the taste that God is good to other people. If we become tasteless, there's, there's no taste to it, how can we be made salty again? The answer is, in and of ourselves, it's impossible. Only God can make us salty again. And that comes by getting in His presence, to let His flavor 
just overwrap us again. Just like Natasha said, out of that overflow, we get in his presence, allow him to bring his flavor back upon us. Kind of like Moses. When he went into God's presence, he began to just have that, the fragrance of God. He began to have the brilliance of God where he had to put a veil over his face because his face would shine. Amen. God wants us to shine for him. And that's the next point is that in Matthew 5, 14 and 16, it says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So the first one talks about that we're, we're uh, to be salt of the earth, but if, if our salt has become tasteless, how can we be salty again? The last part of that verse is, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown un- out and trampled under the foot of men. Are you getting this? If, we're, if we become tasteless, the church is like being trampled by the world. That's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be influencing the world. We're supposed to let our light shine like a city on the hill that can't be hidden, that the world can see our good works and what we're doing for our Father, for His glory, not for our own, that they may glorify our Father who is in heaven. I believe this, that salt is attraction and light is influence. Salt is attraction and light, when you, when you salt something, if you're eating something and it tastes bland, you salt it to make it more attractive to your palate, right? Light is influence. Light, I mean, there's, light influences everything. From the, I mean, the world comes alive when the sun comes up. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So God wants to reset the attraction to the church, and nothing is more attractive than the truth. The truth is attractive. I mean, I, I believe every one of us could raise our hands up. You know, I, I love seeing and, you know, watching and hearing stories that are based on true life experiences. They just make, I mean, they hit just more home because they're based on real life. And there's stories that are good too that just kind of make up, you know, and that's like, oh, that was so good, but it's not realistic, you know, whatever. And, uh, uh, but true stories, true life stories are good. I mean, in actuality, you know, our justice system is set up on finding and rewarding the truth. You know, they, I believe they still say this today, and they may, they may take out... Um, one part of it, when it comes to God, I don't know if they've totally taken that out or not, but when you go into a court of law, they ask you if you're going to give witness, they say, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. And some of them may have taken that last part out, I don't know. But it's so funny that, you know, we need the truth, and when we're looking for the truth, we, 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 ask, we ask that question, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Because it's so easy for us to exaggerate a lie. I mean, the, a lie is really just any intent to deceive, any intent to deceive. I can embellish a truth to make it beyond what it's supposed to be, or I can hold back information from really giving the truth, and that's all a lie. Can you say Amen. But God wants to, uh, there, there's nothing more attraction, attractive than the truth. Proverbs 23, 23 says this, buy truth and do not sell it. Buy truth and don't sell it. That shows you one thing, that, it, that to, to get truth costs you something. There's a sacrifice involved. Actually, the word buy there actually means to get, to acquire, and I like this one, to own when you own something, you take care of it, don't you? 
And when you own something, you know, it, it takes, that, takes something to, to acquire that. There's a sacrifice involved. She says the, the encouragement here is to buy truth and don't sell it. Keep it. Jesus, standing before Pilate, uh, told him, he said, you know, I came into the world for this purpose, to bear witness of the truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? See, he asked the wrong question because truth is not a thing. Truth is a who. God is the truth. Listen to these couple scriptures. One's in, in Romans 118 and the other one's Romans 125. And it says this, people who do not want to acknowledge God suppress the truth in unrighteousness. God is the truth. God, God wants to, there's, there's some areas that we have gotten off as a church in displaying the truth to the world. And some of that has because maybe, maybe in some extent like people have got tired of the sacrifice or the persecution or the things that we have to do in order to be able to stand on the truth. But to stand on the truth will always take sacrifice. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ has, has stood through generations from the time that Jesus came on the earth and proclaimed it to his 12 disciples and all those other that were there at the upper room and began to go out and proclaim that gospel. Even when he prayed on the, his last night with them before he was crucified, he said, I'm praying for these disciples, but not only them, for everyone who will listen to them and the word that they speak that I have given them. And there was sacrifice that was involved. The scripture goes on to say this, uh, those who don't acknowledge God suppress the truth and unrighteousness. It goes on to say in verse number 25, they exchange, or you really you can say they sell the truth for a lie. We just got an encouragement from Proverbs that says, buy truth and don't sell it. And then we hear in a time that we're even living in right now where people will exchange the truth about God for a lie about God. God is good. He only does good. Do I pretend to know everything about God? No, I don't pretend to know everything about God. But I do know this, that he is good. And no matter what happens, I believe that he is perfect. And every decision he makes and everything that he does is perfect. That's what I have chosen to believe according to God's word. Even when I don't understand it, I believe he is good. I believe his actions are good. I believe his plans are good. Even when the days get dark and even when I have to suffer a little bit in my own life, I still believe that God is good and he, everything that he does is perfect. Can you say amen? So he's resetting the attraction to the church by dealing with some truth issues that are in the church. We can't waver. We can't waver. We can't, you can't mix the truth and the lie and have the truth come out of it. When there's a lie mixed with the truth, it's all a lie. Even though there's a hint of truth in it, that truth has been contaminated. Can you say amen? It's contaminated. Well, there's a little bit of truth in it. Yeah, there is a little bit of truth in it. There is, you know, in, in the, uh, the cocoa bean, there is some properties that are good for you, but eating chocolate bars all the time is not good, right? There's, we can't mix it. It's just like the Garden of Eden. Whenever they, God told them not to, you know, not to eat of, the, of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, even the, the knowledge of good that was in that tree was evil because it was disobedience to God. He said, don't eat of that tree. You can't mix truth and the lie. And I believe God is kind of just, you know, turning some, some things around there. God is resetting the love for the truth in the church 
so he can attract others to love the truth through the church. I want to say it again. God is resetting the love for the truth in the church. That's us. So he can attract others to love the truth through the church. In, in 2 Thessalonians 2, uh, 2.10, it says this, the love of the truth leads us to salvation. The love for the truth leads us to salvation. That's for us, but as I'm walking in truth and as I become a lover of the truth, I want, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to go to God and say, God, if I'm messing up in any way, give me the truth. Because I believe that even at times whenever it seems like your discipline is harsh, it's always done in love. And I want the truth. I don't want the lie. I want to walk in your ways. Eventually, after it's all said and done, I want to be able to stand before him and hear him say, welcome, my son. Welcome, my daughter. Amen. I want to be found in him, found in the truth. And the second thing we were talking about, the attraction to the church God is resetting the influence of the church, and nothing has greater influence than light. And I got news for you, it's going to get darker. If you're one of those Christians that believe that it's not going to get dark, then I'm sorry. I can't find that in Scripture that it's not going to get dark. It's going to get darker. It's going to get really dark. In some places, it's going to get scary dark, but it's also going to you know, the, the, it's going to get brighter and really bright and transparently, transparently bright. God wants to bring a transparency. See, Jesus talked about those who, you know, he came as the light into the earth. You know, in him was light, and that light was the life of men. And those who turn to God, we run from the darkness because, yeah, we've seen our wickedness and our sin in our own lives by ourselves. We're like, you know what? I'm so tired of this and the guilt and the shame and the weight of the sin, just like the Pilgrim's Progress. We were watching that with my son the other night. And the weight just keeps getting bigger that we're like so tired of the darkness. We're willing to go out and expose ourselves in the light so that we can be children of light and get rid of those burdens. But those who refuse to serve Jesus, those who refuse to turn to him, they'll continue to walk further into the darkness and will continue to shine brighter for the glory of God. Can you say amen? So the church has a responsibility to shine no matter how dark it gets. He said, you're the light of the world. We have a responsibility to shine no matter how dark it gets, no matter what goes on. We have that responsibility to shine for Jesus. And the Bible says that the path of the righteous is like the, the shining of the dawn or the, 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 how the sun goes up. It gets brighter and brighter until the full day. And as our light gets brighter, we get to be able to be that example to others. So, you know, God is really, you know, he's, uh, he's increasing our flavor as a church and he's changing our light bulbs. Those are some of the things that are going on behind the scene here some things that we can't see. And some of that, it gets to be more personal because it has to be personal. If we're going to be able to be an, an influence to other people in the world, we have to have, we got to take ownership of it in our own lives. It's got to be real to us. His truth has got to be real to us. His light has got to be something that we embrace. 
knowing that even if we, even as Christians, we make mistakes and we can sin, but we can still come to his light and say, here I am, Lord, I, I, I made a mistake, forgive me, I'm coming to you. I'm not looking to anyone else, I'm owning it, Lord God, I made a mistake, forgive me, cleanse me. And he looks down and says, I will, because he's faithful and just to forgive us from all sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's going to get it's going to get darker, but it's going to get brighter. And it's our responsibility to shine no matter how dark it is. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3 says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you, and nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. See, the glory of God, if you search it out in Scripture, the glory of God is the nature of God. It's His nature, His love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what He wants to be really increasing in our lives, our everyday lives, to be able to affect other people. In response to this same thing, when Jesus came into the earth in Matthew 4, 16, it says this, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. You know, we're called to light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. As we shine, we, we bring that light to other people. We can't make people come to it, but as we do our part, God's, God's working on everybody. He never stops working on everybody, no matter how far they've gone away, no matter how much, if they hate him, it don't matter. He never stops working on them because he loves them. But he won't make a decision for us and he won't force us, you know, to love him back. We have a choice. That's our free will. But as we choose to shine and not be ashamed of what God is doing in the earth and what he's done in us, and we share that with others, we bring that light to them. And we bring that light to them. That light brings a hope. That what he did in us, he wants to do them and them as well. And that they can see, and then they can that, that taste and see that the Lord is good. They can, they can taste of, of us bringing kind of that flavor of what he's done in our lives and have that hope to be able to step out of darkness and into the light with him. Can you say amen? So we're back at the top of the hill. This church, it's been kind of covered in, in scaffolding and wrap, a work that God is doing. We don't know all that God is doing. Some things are hidden from the church, definitely hidden from the world. But whenever he takes this off and he is working, he's working hard. And as he takes this wrap off, he's going to bring back that attraction to his, his body, the influence that we have in the earth. And that things that we, you know, would speak evil of the church, now we'll be able to, to be those people or that people run to because it's not that we have the answer, it's that he has the answer and we can point them to him. So I got one last question for you, then I'll close. So what do you do while God is increasing your flavor and changing your light bulb? What do you do? What do you do whenever you don't know what God is doing? I got three things for you. One, number one, you stay. You don't, you don't take off. You don't move. You stay, you stay put. It's so easy when God begins to do an internal work on us that we just begin to, to look for the pleasure instead of the sacrifice of what's taking place in order to become more like Him. That's a good place to say amen. 
Amen. Embracing it. You stay. You wait until he moves. You wait until he moves. You know, the Lord showed me this principle whenever we were at our, our church that we came from in, in uh, Florida. That they went through leadership things here and there, and we had a church split that happened, you know, back in late, uh, two th- our late uh, 90s, and, and, uh, and my wife was even like, honey, should we leave? And I said, the Lord told us specifically to come here and stay here, and until he tells us to leave, we're not going anywhere. I don't care what's happening. Because I know that there's a difference between different opinions of here and there, or whatever, but we're not moving until God says, I didn't come because of anybody in here. I came because God said this is the place. And until the same voice that told me to stay tells me to go, I'm not going anywhere. And you know what? It grew us up in some areas. Not to just jump out whenever things, we don't understand things. No, we, we know we hear God's voice, so we stay until we hear it. We don't move, we stay put. The second thing is, number one, we stay. Number two, we obey. You have to obey. You do what you know to do as revealed in his written word or things that he has already spoken to you. You know, some, one of the ways to help find out what God is doing is to continue to do what you already know to do. And that will lead to greater understanding of what you're to do. But if whenever we don't know what to do, we stop doing what we already know to do, we hinder ourselves from growth and receiving the knowledge that we need and the clarity that we need of what comes next. Can you say amen? amen? So you stay when you don't understand. You obey when you don't understand and why he's working on you. And the last thing, and there could be more, but the last thing I have for you is you pray. You pray. Man, don't, don't stop praying. When things get tough, is not just to, to bring your, your woes and everything to the Lord. My God wants our supplications, but you know what? We need to get in his presence and hear what he's saying. Sometimes we get into his presence and we're just letting him hear how, you know, how we're doing and what we're going through in our situation. He already knows everything about it. It actually says in Ecclesiastes, when you come into the presence of the Lord, be quicker to listen than then to speak. Because God's in, in heaven and we're on earth. We're to let our words be few. Choose our words wisely. We need to hear what he's saying more than we need to hear ourselves. Can you say amen? So we, we, how do we pray? We keep on speaking his word. His words are spirit and they are life. We, we keep on believing and expecting his promises. Keep stirring yourself up. When you get discouraged, how do, how do you get encouraged? You go back to the promises and you begin to literally speak them out of your mouth over yourself. No, this is what you said in your word, Lord. This is what you're going to do. I thank you that you're doing what you said you will do. And all of a sudden, that discouragement, just it gives way to hope because God's promises bring you hope. You keep on thanking him for who he is and what he's done. Remind yourself, what, who is he to me? What has he done for me? What's he promised me? Amen. Man, God is doing a work. I think it's just interesting, you know, just with the songs, how God brings things together, talking about love and talking about the light and the darkness and Natasha coming in and, and having that dream the Lord gave her. And I heard her last night, you know, whimpering a little bit here and there. As I woke up, she's like, I was just like, oh, something's going on. Lord bless her, help her. Sometimes it's been, she's had some pretty crazy end time prophetic dreams. And sometimes it gets kind of scary. She didn't have one of those. Usually if, I, if that show, I can hear her really in, in deep you know, intercession or anguish. And I'll be like, hey, honey, honey. got to wake her up slowly. So she'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> praise the Lord. Let's stand to your feet if you would. 
I want you to be encouraged because God is doing a work. And yeah, we don't understand all that God is doing, but we do know this, that God will keep us filled in. But whenever we're, when we don't understand everything that he's doing, we, we put our, our hope and our reliance and everything in who he is, guys. That's where it's at. It's not in what he's doing. It's in who he is. And you can be sure of this, what he's doing will always line up with who he is. So when I don't understand what he's doing, I just, I just fall back on who he is. Lord, I know you're good. I do not understand this. We, there's times whenever even you've prayed, and you know, I've been there, you've been there, where you've prayed, and it was in according with God's word. You know it was God's will, you know, in his word for this to happen this way, but for some reason it didn't happen that way, and not because the devil is more powerful, because that is not the truth. But in those moments when it happens the way that I didn't, what, didn't believe and think, and even according to his word, I thought it was going to go this way, I had to say, Lord, I trust you. Your plan is way bigger than my plans. You see way beyond what I see. I could see how your word would have been right there and should have been right there. And Lord's like, for whatever reason, I, I don't know. It didn't happen that way. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely upon you because you cause all things to work together for good to those who love you, those are, who are called according to your purpose. In Jesus' name. Father, we look to you. We bless you this morning. And we thank you. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to reveal more of yourself to every single one of us. Lord, that we would embrace, Lord God, what you're doing even on the inside. So many times when we, you begin to work on us, Lord, that we just begin to get twitchy and, and run here and there, uh, Father. But we want to be able to stay still and just say, Lord, you speak, Lord God, and we'll listen. Father, you show us and we'll watch. Lord, you lead and we'll follow. You make the decision and we'll just obey. We trust you. We love you. We bless you.